Hi, it's Lisa. Welcome back to The Healing Path, a podcast created to connect our broken hearts as we journey into honest conversations about grief and loss in our daily lives. Following the deaths of two of my children, I struggled for many years to fill the holes in my heart. I felt like I tried everything, prayer, meditation, therapy, coaching, reading, journaling, you name it. Plus, I tried a few less productive approaches. After two decades of continuing to grieve, it occurred to me that maybe I'd set the wrong target. Instead of trying to feel better by filling those painful voids, I've learned that building a life around them is a much more worthy goal. A major part of this approach is talking openly about what my grief is like instead of keeping it to myself. With this newfound permission to let all the parts of me be here, I feel more human and less like a robot on autopilot. So I created the Healing Path podcast with the hope that sharing our stories in a mutually compassionate environment will help us to stop working so hard to hide our scars from ourselves and others and start wearing them proudly as the medals of love that they are. So thank you for joining this episode of The Healing Path. Today, I'm chatting about a post called Mark's Birthday. Early Sunday morning, I began my usual routine of meditation and prayer and suddenly realized it was the birthday of a dear friend of mine named Mark. It would have been his 52nd birthday on Sunday, but he died by suicide on January 15th, 1988. Mark and I were high school sweethearts in the 10th grade. Mark played football and we used to walk home together after practice. We lived only a short distance from each other and the school, and we spent the fall season of 1985 as two innocent kids. We picked apples. We talked on the phone. We studied. We baked. We listened to Genesis. (laughs) I remember one of Mark's favorite songs was Squonk. The time Mark and I spent together encapsulated some of the most precious memories for me of youth, discovery, curiosity, playfulness, and care. We were so young. Mark ended our dating relationship abruptly, just before Christmas of 1985. I don't exactly know what happened, but it was my first breakup, and it was hard. I really cared about Mark and felt like more myself when we were together. Fast forward into 1986 and then 1987, and soon I was hearing rumors that Mark had gotten involved with drugs. He was running with a bad crowd. By late 1987, he'd been arrested and spent some time in jail. When he was released, he wandered the streets. He sometimes waited for me by my car at the high school. He wasn't attending classes at that point but he'd show up in the most unexpected places. I remember one occasion where he was hovering around outside of my health class and he kept looking through that slim vertical window directly at me again and again. The instructor was initially unaware, but all of the students saw, and eventually it was disruptive enough that the teacher stopped class, opened the door, and told Mark to leave or go to the principal's office. He looked like an empty shell of his former young self 
without his vibrant energy and strong physique. At that point, Mark left the building. There was another incident I recall when I was home alone during my senior year in 1987. I was getting out of the shower when I heard the back doorbell ring at my parents' house. I bundled up into my robe, and as I opened the door, I realized it was Mark. He just kind of stared at me and then said that he missed me. I felt a little scared, as I sometimes would when he would find me alone. But he left soon after. He never did anything to physically hurt me. It was more just like that mental vulnerability. Another time, I recall hearing the doorbell ring, and when I went out to answer, there was a large bouquet of yellow roses with a card from Mark. The message was handwritten and too personal to share, but he was gone and just the flowers sat there waiting to be accepted. The last time I saw Mark alive was in January 1988. Syracuse, New York in January can host some of the most hostile weather conditions you can imagine. No, it wasn't Vermont or anything, but below freezing wind chills and temperatures, along with blustery strong winds and loads of snow dumping onto the city, were just part of a regular winter day for us. The last time I saw Mark alive, he was walking alongside of the road, and I don't know if he saw me or not. He was wearing a gray hooded sweatshirt with the hood up over his head. He must have been frozen walking with just a sweatshirt. It was a dark, gray, and freezing day, and the snowflakes were coming down in clumps. I would later always regret not stopping and offering him a ride that day. I didn't feel safe with Mark, but I also couldn't let myself off the hook for not trying to help this soul that I'd grown close to in a unique way for a very short time. On Friday, January 15th, 1988, at about 4 p.m. in the afternoon, I received a phone call. My friend on the other line, on the other end of the line, said boldly, Mark killed himself today. I was newly 18 years old, and I recall the world turning upside down. This was one of my earliest memories of tragic, brutal, violent death. I have always prayed for Mark's peace, and I've always wondered if I could have done something more to help him. Mark's death changed the course of my life, including my senior year. I had no idea at that time how major a role death in general would play out in my life or how long my heart would hurt for Mark's decision to end his life that freezing Friday in January. Fast forward to this past Sunday on March 6th, and I'm still thinking about Mark in 2022. His birthday never passes without me noticing. Mark's death was terrible. It ripped my youthful heart open. I'd lost another school friend in the fall of 1986 to a brutal attack and murder, and I was still trying to buffer from that shocking and unthinkable situation. And now I had suicide to add to my story. I'm sharing it here to illuminate the transcendent nature of grief and of love. I have written a lot about the deaths of our children, 
But unfortunately, Alexis and Emmanuel dying are only part of my grief story. There have been many tragedies and lots of grief and pain. But above it all is the memory of each person that stays with us, whether we want it to or not. When a death takes place, we get bombarded with messages that the end game is to move on and get over our losses. But my experience, as I talk often about in the Healing Path podcast, is that these are not end games that are based in reality. There is no moving on. There's only moving through and around. We can only find a way to build a life around our painful places. We can't fill them or shun them to the dark. When we try, our pain demands its own attention and expression. Mark was a dear friend. We were known to each other for a very short time. It's hard to imagine that someone I knew so long ago, after 30 years has passed, would still be so present to me. But resilience is the nature of love and grief and humanity. And this resilience and ability to integrate all the parts of us is what life is all about. Grief and loss are not unique experiences for us humans. The losses themselves may be idiosyncratic, but the effects of loss are universal. Next time someone suggests you get over your loss or that you move on, take a deep breath and throw those shoulders back. You don't have to teach them anything. You just need to claim the grief path that you're on as your own. And don't be surprised when it's the birthday of someone you loved over three decades ago and the memories still come flooding in. We are not meant to forget. We are meant to remember. So thank you for checking out this episode of The Healing Path. This was a, a difficult post to write, um, also difficult to read. And it's almost like yesterday, um, over 30 years ago. But it's true, people who we were connected with at different parts of our lives long ago, no matter how long ago, it can still feel ready at hand. Like it's almost like it's happening right now or as we always say, it's like it was just yesterday. The difference is when I think about Mark now, I'm able to just send love and light to him and his spirit and his family and to not feel the guilt and the weight um, that I carried with me around the specifics of his death for a very long time, not the least of which came from pressure among our um, classmates who were very verbal about the fact that they thought I should have reconciled with him and that that would have changed the outcome for him. But I don't believe that now. What I believe is that we come to each other for short periods of time and that the love that we feel at that time does not have a time stamp, does not have an expiration date. It stays with us, it feeds us, and we have to share it. And I no more feel responsible for his death than I do for his life. I'm just grateful I got to be part of both. 
So if you have any experiences um, with these kind of old feelings for people that are no longer in your lives, we'd love to hear about them at lisamcfarland.com in the comments section. And until next time, stay present, stay grateful, and stay healing. And as always, thank you so much for listening.